Welcome to Man Pepper, a baseball podcast, straight baseball banter, with your hosts, Jake and Chris. My man, what's going on? Jake, what's going on, man? What's things? You know how things are? Oh. Oh. Can you hear that? We haven't had what have you been drinking in a while. I got a water tonight, man, but I knew that was a Miller Lite right when I saw the top, so. Yep. Just twist cap, pint, love it. <laughs> well, we've got a guest, Jake. We're just going to get right into it. That loves Miller time. Yes. Aaron Newman. Hey. What's up, Newman? Nothing much, fellas. How we doing? I uh, Now I'm like almost embarrassed to say I'm drinking tea. I should just like sprint to go get some whiskey right now. But, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> Aaron, don't be ashamed of tea. I've found dandelion root tea. It's really good for digestion and hydration. So I do that during the week as well. I'm just doing the opposite tonight. Got it. Well, I have no issue shitting, so like I'm pretty good on that front. So if there's any other any other flavors that have different type of things, just let me know. <laughs> so Newman, I, I planned on a quick intro, but then the Miller time just got me there. But for the for the listeners, um, Aaron Newman uh, played at Northwestern 2005 to 2008, I believe, same as me and Jake. Uh, played with me in Torrington for two summers in the NECBL, memorable summers. And the current CEO of Google, is that right? Um, I think one or two levels below, but yeah. Um, <laughs> Eventually. <laughs> I think I've, I've written him an email one or once or twice that someone else gave to him. But yeah, sure. Let's go for it. Got it. <laughs> yeah, man. So we, we pumped to have you on. We were talking to you, I think, last year about, about coming on. I finally sent you a text a few weeks ago, and you were all about it. So I'm excited, man. We, we hadn't seen each other. We saw each other this summer. This yeah. past summer. Um, before that, it was years. So it's good to see you on screen. And I know we had talked. We want to keep those in-person meetings uh, going Thanks. if we can. So hopefully I'll see you again a couple of months in Rhode Island. Actually, yeah, no, it's uh, it's good to be here, boys. I was I was wondering when this I didn't want to seem too thirsty and like reach out to Chris and be like, hey, like if you need somebody like I got this. But um, no, I was really pretty pumped when when you sent me the the text and happy to, to chat with you guys. I don't know. Um, I don't know if you tell your folks beforehand what the, what the theme is or what we're going to be talking about. So I'm ready to rock. Um, I have no clue, but we're just going to jump in and, and make it happen. Yeah, let's do it. So we're actually going to talk, we're going to talk curling tonight. So the basics hey, of curling. curling no. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be white. To do this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm black for the people that can't. <laughs> um, Aaron, where, where are you home based at? So I'm based out of Chicago, um, okay. born and raised in the suburbs of Chicago and have literally never left. So like Chris mentioned, Northwestern and then went back to Northwestern to get the whole MBA thing and somehow convinced my wife from the East Coast to live in Chicago. So we're here, man, dealing with uh, the, the fun weather. And uh, for those that can't see, I'm repping my Chicago Bears uh, quarter zip, mostly the draft's coming up tomorrow and I'm actually excited. Normally, I'm terrified for what we're going to do, but I'm pretty excited to see what would happen. Well, so so who who do you think they're going to take? Because they traded out of one, right? Traded um, out of Panthers, one. Panthers quarterback. We're good. Yeah, we're we're good. I'm hoping that dude Carter from Georgia just continues to get like people making up random stuff about how bad of a character he is, so that it just falls to us, um, yep. and we end up getting basically the number one player in the draft anyway. So I might have might have. Might have sprinkled a little bit on some Bears Super Bowl futures, Newman, just so you know. Just you a go. little bit. There you go. There you go. There you go. And um, 
I, I will give the caveat two things. One, um, I have a three-year-old here. She may or may not just jump in randomly. So if, if you hear random kid asking for random stuff, that's what's happening. And then second, if my wife comes in here because she's eight and a half months pregnant and I have to jump because yep. we're delivering a baby. So, All right. uh, yeah, those are the two caveats for some reason if this thing gets delayed. Little small caveats. I mean, those are yeah, just yeah. a couple. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Little family stuff. Well, I'm, I'm super pumped to have you on too, man, and talk with you. Uh, I don't remember playing against you when I was in Pittsfield. Um, but as we were talking in the green room, terrible memories in Pittsfield with the Sunfield. We yes. can get into that. I do want to get into baseball, and I just want to kick it right off with a few things. So a little baseball, little baseball banter, Chris, unless you had yeah. any other intros that you wanted to... Uh, Oh, let's go do through. It. So, Aaron, I'll throw this at you. What do these five players have in common right here? Luis Arise, Max Muncie, Adolis Garcia, Ronald Acuna, and Marcus Simeon. What do they all have in common? April 26, um, 2023. Damn, Jake. It's a tough one. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, are they. Are they all leading off today? No, but you, you had like half the sentence. Leading. Are playing today? Okay. <laughs> leading a respective okay. category offensively so far in the 2023 season. So Luis Arise is batting 444. Oh, wow. Okay. Leading the majors. Max, fat hitter Muncie, 11 yes. bombs. Adoles Garcia with 29 ribbies. Now he had eight of them in one game last weekend. So that that's kind of a cheat code. Uh, Ronald Acuna, 13 swipes. And Marcus Simeon, 23 runs. So my uh, question, I'll throw up to yeah. both of you guys. Which one of those guys leads the league at the end of the year in one of those categories? What do you think? I'll let Newman go first. Yeah, I mean, I guess another piece is none of those guys are on my baseball, my fantasy baseball team. So yeah. my, you can see kind of how it's going. But uh, <laughs> I'd probably say Acuna with the swipes. Yeah, that's where I was going to, man. Yep. I'm right there with you. He is on my fantasy team and Marcus Simeon, so I'm I'm pretty sick at fantasy. Uh, yes. Simeon you know. would be my second uh, prediction to, to lead the league in that category. You said runs? Runs, yeah. Runs, yeah. He could do that, but Acuna, I think, is probably safest with the swipes. Um, yeah. I'd love to see Muncie lead in homers. I love that dude. So after last year, <laughs> if he came back and just hit like 50, that would be great. Yeah. I mean, yeah, dude. he's on pace for like 75 right now. Like, <laughs> And he he, to- he torched the Cubbies this past weekend with like four of them or something. Yep. Well. Yeah. Don't what go else, to the what else you got, Jake? <laughs> oh, I got okay. All right, I got another one. I got another one. So now it's not going to be what's in common here, but I'm going to run through the pitching stats for a second. Joe Ryan's leading the league in wins with five. Zach Gallen, 51 Ks, leading the league. Bedner, Clase, they got eight saves each. Tyler Wells has the best whip on the Orioles with a point seven two whip Orioles. through thirty innings. Sonny Gray with an ERA of 0.6 through 29 innings. And Shohei with a batting average against of 0.09. Those are your league leaders from the pitching side. Yeah. Which there's really, in my mind, 
one name on there, which I would think would continue to to run with it, unless so Otani, like yeah. he can continue to just dominate like he always does. Can Zach Gallon yeah. have a breakout year where he has like two hundred and twenty strikeouts? Yeah, I can see that. I was gonna say Gallon, um, in terms of just potentially winning the category out of everyone you said, but it's either it's either Gallon or Otani. But it's always funny when you, not only like early year stats, which can be skewed, right? We've only played for a month, so there could be random dudes leading. But I feel like pitching specifically by the end of the year, there's always two or three complete surprises at the end of the year who are like Cy Young candidates that were on no one's radar fan wise or like fantasy wise that then, you know, jump up as to like first or second round picks the next year. So I don't even know some of those guys you just said, Jake, I do have uh, the (laughs) Orioles guy as a streamer on my fantasy team, like over and over and over again, because no one else adds him besides me. So maybe I'll keep him. I think you might want to keep him. I mean, with yeah. a point seven whip in thirty innings, holy shit! Hey, yeah. Jay, question back to you, man, on that yeah. piece. So, with the Otani, like, yeah. how do you think his whole career kind of like, like when we look back twenty years from now, like what is, where do you think he stacks in terms of like a career, like both sides of it? Like right now, if he keeps it up, potentially best of all time. Yeah, I mean. Uh, if he does both of these things, but like, where do you think he stacks up? I get a little leery with his barking elbow and all the stuff that he's had in the past that the pitching will continue to be as dominant from a starter standpoint. Like I could see maybe like four or five years from now, he's like, I can only close and he becomes like a smoltz and he's just like hitting the ball throughout the game, comes in and closes and becomes. So like saying that I almost feel like he he'll be seen as like just this, absolute monster of an offensive player who is a beast on the pitching side, but maybe just the, the career kind of takes a different path. Yeah. That's I my, love that. That's, that's a projection. I love the closer take. My Otani take is I think he can absolutely be an all time. Great. He's only 28. Um, he seems like one of the most amazing athletes of the past 50 years, just overall. And yeah. Like when I think of guys who I want to see in person, I almost always go to basketball. Like who do I want to have good NBA tickets to and see? And I've got like a short list. Like I want to, I still haven't seen these guys. I want to see Giannis. I need to see Steph next year because he's only got a few years left. I love to see LeBron. Those are kind of my three. Otani might be the one baseball guy where I would splurge if he came to Boston or the Northeast, where I would just want to see that dude up close because watching him on TV is something else. And he's just a freak. So I I feel like nothing's nothing's out of play in terms of where his career could end up if he stays healthy. Yeah, I I agree. I think he's also just massive. Like he's a big dude. So I mean, so like from like a sustainability standpoint, like this dude is just built to like or he's not like a little dude or anything like that. So and he can run. He can pretty much do whatever he wants. And so, yeah, the only problem is he plays with the Angels where it's like no one's ever going to see this dude play like the trout issue, but yeah. yep. uh, who knows? Well, dude, we were they... talking well, real quick, Jake, we were talking yeah. last year. I forget. Um, might've been Jim Buckley. when we had him on, we were talking uh, AL MVP before it came out. We yeah. were talking judge or Otani. And I think we all sort of, after conversation landed on judge at that point in time, it was near the end of the year. But I do think if Otani was in a different market, if he was on the East coast, not even necessarily like a better team record wise, but just more media exposure. Like he, he could have won it last year. It's just, it's easy to kind of forget about guys out there for for whatever reason. 
Yeah, I agree with you. I was going to say, Chris, you missed Otani and the Angels were literally in Boston, I think, 10 days ago. Yeah, so I mean, you know, I got you, kids doing shit and just no time. But, you know, if I could, <laughs> I'd I mean, love you to go to all take, those games. Could, couldn't take a break from work <laughs> and, and from like t-ball practice and, you, you know, stuff around the house. Dude, I still haven't golfed at the course five seconds away from my house. Like, you know, I can't get to a baseball game. <laughs> oh, shit. That's good. That's good. All right. I, I have a couple more things. I don't want to hog all the questions or just ridiculous stat things. But this next one is kind of less of a stat. Have you guys seen this circulating? I think it started circulating yesterday or this morning uh, with the Dodgers in the paternity list. Have you guys seen this? I have not. No. Okay. So if you go and if you look at the MLB maternity paternity list over the past like 10 days, uh, Mookie Betts was out. Yep. I think they get three days. Uh, then Evan Phillips, who's like their pseudo closer. Actually, no, he is their closer. Their backup closer, Brusdor Gratterall, however you say his name, he was out. Uh, Max Muncie, after he torched the Cubs, okay. <laughs> yep, he went out. Uh, then an ex Dodger who was also torching the Dodgers this past weekend in Chicago, Cody Bellinger, he went on the paternity list. Uh, mm-hmm. And then there's one other guy who's not on the paternity list list yet, but any day expecting to go on the paternity list is Caleb Ferguson. I think he's a pitcher in Dodgers bullpen. So that is by count one, two, three, four, five, six Dodgers. So if you count backwards, what was happening like 10 months ago? I'm going to say it's like an August, August conception dates for all these people. <laughs> Mid-July just so happened to coincide with the all-star break, which took place in at Dodger Stadium last year. So uh, they must have just been getting after it, man. Just been just like, hey, making it work. What do you guys say? <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Let's just hook up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, all right. That that was that pretty funny. Crazy. It's like I'm circulated on Twitter, and like I think Sports Illustrated wrote an article this morning that I saw pop through, and I was like, that's pretty good. That is good. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I got one for Newman, and you too, Jake. But this is going to be, I think, close to Newman's heart. So the stolen bases this year. Uh, Newman, mm-hmm. you were a big stolen base guy, center fielder, yeah. fast, uh, good hitter, not a ton of power, right? You were a contact guy, get on yeah. base. You walked a lot, leadoff hitter, like to steal. So obviously they've uh, enlarged the bases this year, which are I- I've read about the size of a standard pizza box for the for the listeners out there. Um, and also you can only pick off twice. So if you're leading and a pitcher picks off once, you could either gamble that he ain't, he's not going to throw the second one or especially yeah. if they throw twice. You can go, and then the pitch clock, you can time it, right? So there's a lot of things yeah. working in favor of stealing more bases. So I think this is through today. Um, last year, there was about 0.5 stolen bases per game in the major leagues. So every other game, there was a stolen base, essentially. This year, it's up to 0.7 per game. So that doesn't seem like a lot, but that's I'm not really great at math. I think that's a 30% increase about and if that rate stays the same, there's going to be a thousand more stolen bases this season than last season. Wow. That's awesome. It's good. That's huge. So what? What do you think about those yeah. changes? Like, I mean, you were we were stealing bases. <laughs> I still I ran a little bit. Like, no pitch clocks, regular bases, all that yeah. stuff. I feel like you would have been able to take a huge advantage of those types of rules. Oh yeah, I mean, you're also assuming I'm like smart and could have like picked up on some oh, of those things, on. but like, um, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think it's perfect. I think it's great. I mean, I think you know. 
even as a baseball player, baseball fanatic, like it's tough. It was tough watching the games, man. Like, especially like if it wasn't the White Sox playing, like it's really, t- and if I didn't have money on the game, like it sucked. Like it's, <laughs> it's really tough, which is a pretty rarity. But I think the piece there too, man, where it's just like put people in motion, let's speed this thing up again. I think the games are what, two and a half hours now versus mm-hmm. like three and a half or three in, back in the day. Like I can actually convince my wife to go to a game and like, stay the whole time right because it's not like we're committing to a half a day thing and so the more action you know the more people moving i'm, I'm all about it um and yeah i mean it may suck for the pitchers but you know yeah it's about those guys exactly <laughs> interesting thing i saw so like the whole only thrown over twice if you throw over a third time you don't get them it's a balk um guys are still going like first movement on lefties like which I guess you kind of have to because they're all slide stepping for the most yeah. part, the lefties especially. Uh, but like I was watching a game earlier just for a few minutes, and um, I think it was Royals and, and the Diamondbacks, and like Yarborough was pitching for the Royals. Remember the guy from the Rays? Mm-hmm. And he's like slide stepping every time, and like it was like his second pitch, he slid step, and the guy took off, and he was out by like five feet. Like shockingly, yeah. someone got, got out stealing second. Um, I don't know. I thought that was interesting of like, you don't want to try to draw them maybe once or t- maybe once try to draw them. Did I have them throw over and then kind of, I don't know. Um, I mean, I, just, I don't have the data yeah. on this, but I I have to, I wouldn't be shocked. Let's put it that way. If pitchers are picking off much less than they did last year oh, as yeah. well. So like maybe the thought is they're actually not going to throw over. So if I wait too long to try to bait a pickoff, that's never going to happen. And then I'm never going to steal. That's a good thought. I don't know. I mean, you know, it's logical. Makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I guess I'd also want to, like, with the whole, like, timer piece of it, is, like, are all the pickoffs happening, like, in the front half of, like, the the pitch mm-hmm. clock? Just, like, because they have to make a decision to go or mm-hmm. no go, and by the time it picks that half halfway point, are they just like, fuck it, I got to go. It's time to pitch. I can't even focus on anything else. Yeah. Um, but again, some analytics dude for sure is rocking that out. I was yeah. watching, I think it was the Angels – I don't know if it was Sunday night baseball. I was watching them this week. Um, and whatever network it was on did not have the pitch clock anywhere that the viewer could see. Oh, it's terrible. Right. But like, I guess my point is last year there was no pitch clock. So like I, it didn't exist, but like, I'm looking around for it, like for like 10 minutes. I'm like, how much time's left? This guy's taking too long. Is he up against a deadline? Like he's got a pitch. He's got a pitch. <laughs> You're getting stressed out. Yeah, I was. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> My, how quickly it changes one year to the next. <laughs> but dude, for stolen bases, so like I think Jose Reyes in 2007 stole like 70 something bases. Um, and there's so, been a there's been a handful of dudes in Major League history that have hit 100. Obviously, Ricky Henderson has the the modern record at 130. But <laughs> like Acuna is on pace for 80 plus. I mean, he might even be over 100 plus on this pace. I don't think that's going to happen. But there absolutely could be him yes. or a few guys that are like 70 plus this year, which would be crazy. Cause the last couple of years, I mean, the leaders was like in the thirties. Yeah. Yeah. That's a huge, speaking difference. of Acuna, I, I just got an update that he just went deep 460 feet on my, on my fantasy oh, team. So thank you, Acuna. He'll probably steal. Definitely base playing against yeah. <laughs> For sure. Playing against that dude. I don't even know, but yeah, definitely playing against him. Probably. Hey, so, so Aaron, I want to go, to um your white Sox fan 
I'm not going to rag yeah. on him. I'm not going to rag on him because in Charlotte, yeah. North what Carolina. Happened? What is going on? Well, yeah. Yeah. So, so I got the Go AAA team here, Charlotte Knights. Yeah. Um, and Tim Anderson's going on rehab, so I might try to get down and see a Knights game here um, yeah. this upcoming weekend or something. But uh, my fellow Jake Berger, that guy hit 100 and it was 118.9, I think, mile per hour home run like a couple weeks ago. I have. Yeah. It, it was like it literally shot out of a cannon. That guy just hits tanks right. when he actually makes contact. Problem. Yeah. What do you think of your team here? I mean, you got everyone underperforming. What the hell's going on with the White Sox? Yeah, I thought, I mean, honestly, I walked into the season being like, all right, new coach, like someone that can actually, like, I thought that was the problem. And I mean, we just can't pitch, bro. Like, I mean, it's, it's to the point where it's just like literally how many, like, seven run eight run nine run games are we just gonna like i think we just lost the blue jays today like seven nothing like it's it's brutal and we're not hitting so it's it's tough to watch and i think we have good players like i'm pretty sure we have some pretty good players and like dylan cease is a monster and like i think we're gonna be okay but it's tough it's tough right now and especially i thought like the al central was gonna be pretty easy to walk through and now the twins are good for some reason uh, and <laughs> other things are happening. So yeah, it's tough to watch. Um, and it's also tough if you live in Chicago, like the Cubs are good mm-hmm. and it's really tough. When it's like the Cubs were supposed to suck. The co- the Sox were supposed to be good. And now it's just like all I hear living in the North side of Chicago. All I hear are, man, the Cubs, I think we're going to win the world series. Like that type of shit where I'm just like, I'm over it. Like, can we please get to the second half of the year when maybe we might have a chance? Yeah. But I don't know. I'm, I'm at the, and then the bulls are out and <laughs> the bears will see. I mean, it's just the same. Like we're not blessed like you new Englanders where you can kind of like rely on one of your four teams to win something. Uh, it was year. a while for, for the Boston fans, but it's been a good 15, 20 year run. <laughs> like 15 years. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? No, no, let's, let's say it's been dope. 20. It's been 20. It's been a solid childhood though. Like it has been, but let's be, at least for me, I feel like I care uh, candidly, like less and less about each title. And I don't think that that's because like the Sox have won a few times and the Celtics won in 08. It's just like, I think sometimes the older you get, like there's more stuff going on. Whereas when I was in like middle school and high school and college and all I wanted, like the number one thing in my life was a Red Sox title. Like I had to have it because I'm just getting heckled by Yankee fans. And so like when it happened, it was, a hundred out of a 10 in terms of happiness. But like since then, it's just nothing really could stack up. So I don't know. I'm not trying to, it's been a great 20 year run, but my upbringing was a, it was a rough childhood sports wise. Let's put it that way. Yeah. There's only so many times I can watch the last dance, bro. Like I'm, I'm, I'm running out of like, <laughs> yeah. you know, bulls, <laughs> bull stuff at this point. But yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's tough. It's tough. All right, we, we you, won't man. we won't belabor the the White Sox chatter then. I mean, they underperformed last year; they'll just underperform this year, and it is what it is. Well, I am interested though, Newman, about because I lived I lived out there for about two months and essentially lived in your your college house for a large portion of it when I was out there playing indie ball. So I, I kind of know the answer a little bit. But what's the what's the relationship like, like Sox fans versus Cubs fans? You know, obviously out in New England or the Northeast, Yankees, Red Sox. That's like well publicized throughout the media and the country, but what's that relationship like two different leagues, but there's obviously still a rivalry there and the fan bases are very different. Yeah. So you got your South siders, um, your gritty, like 
you know, I say it's blue collar, right? That's kind of the more gritty, yep. gritty folks. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of like the South side of Chicago. Um, you know, don't take crap from anybody. That's where a lot of like sober fights happen in the stands. <laughs> yeah. Like, whereas in, in Wrigley, it's more of like the, you know, the drunk, um, white collar folks out there. And it's, I think it's, it's, it's very like, um, don't like each other. Not as intense as maybe, um, you know, the new England, like the, the Boston, New York thing, but, um, yeah, it's definitely one of those things. It's like a first question you ask somebody, you know, who's in Chicago, like, who are you supporting? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, it tells you a little bit about where they came from, what they're about. Um, and I like to say I'm more on like the gritty, you know, work for it type of guy versus getting it handed to me, even though the Cubs did suck for a long time. And, you know, yeah, what's yeah. the reaction? Didn't what- really get it for a hundred years. So Aaron, what's like the reaction when like, um, so you're on the gritty side. Like you just, yeah. mentioned, you just mentioned, okay. So if someone says like, what side are you on? You'd be like, yeah, white Sox, like obvious, like, like what's the comeback or cause like, I'm thinking as a Red Sox fan and Yankee, like a Yankee fan, I know they're like, Oh, you Yankee yeah. fan. I'm just like, nah, man, you know, I like the Red Sox. And it's just like, eh, you know, like I'm kind of happy go lucky. Maybe that's just me, but I, that's not a Bostonian. Yeah. That's not how Bostonians <laughs> are. Yeah. I think it's a little different because I feel like when, when we won the world series in 2005, like no one cared. Like it was just <laughs> yeah, one of those right. things. It was like the parade was kind of half empty, like nothing really happened, but like, you know, if the Cubs make it to the playoffs, it's like fucking, you know, they won the whole thing. And so I think it's just kind of like that, like the city is more like embraces because you got Wrigley field and like you got mm-hmm. everything going on there. They just more embrace the Cubs and like the Sox are kind of an afterthought. Um, so it's um, most Cub fans just kind of shake it off and say, whatever, like there's nothing to do at the field, blah, blah, blah. We used to have like, we're better than you type of an argument back, but now we got nothing. So I feel like that reaction could be in part, like the Cubs have more of like a storied or romantic history, right? Cause of Wrigley and, and some of the players they had. And I also just from an outsider's perspective, it feels like they probably have more fair weather fans than the White Sox do as well. Is that accurate? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, they and there, there's. I mean, you probably hear of like the next year motto that they always say on the Cubs side is like, "Wait till next year is we're gonna win the World Series next year" and all that that stuff. But I, yeah, I, I definitely would say it's you know. You get a lot more folks that are like diehard Cubs fans and have the tags on their jersey for that they just bought right before the game to say that they're huge Cubs fans. And most folks, again, all my friends are Cubs fans, so it's kind of rough. But most folks are there mostly for Wrigley, not necessarily to watch the yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. Where I'd say it's probably a little bit the, the White Sox act. Yeah, more so of a party. There's nothing else to do. Yeah, more of a party atmosphere <laughs> at Wrigley for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Is it fair to do an SAT analogy or analogy? Is that what those things were? Not analogy. What was the word? What was the grammar stuff? Or is like, this is to that is that is to this. Remember that simile metaphor analogy. Yeah, some sh- anyway. Yeah. I think it is analogy. Uh, it's one of those. Yeah. Cubs are to the New York football giants as white talks mm. are to the New York football jets. Is that fair? Dude, Jets oh. fans don't play. Like they, no, they're, they're gritty. gritty. No, but they're they gritty. Are. They're just kind of yeah. yeah but the White Sox league. won something in my lifetime too, so that's not a fair analogy. <laughs> that's <yet>. fair. <laughs> so that's I, fair. I think I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I guess what's the, like the the Yankee 
Mets dynamic like? Like, do the Yankees there's a lot of history. Like, I think there's a lot of history on both sides, so it's kind of hard to be like, <laughs> I don't know. Do Yankee and Met fans get mad at each other? I don't think that happens. Does I feel it? like it's like a big, like a big brother, like little brother whatever. type of relationship. Like they think Mets fans yeah. are cute. They root for the Mets and the Jets <laughs> and the Yankees and the Giants. So it's easy to just be like, oh yeah, you guys think you got Rogers now? I'm sure that's gonna work out. Good luck, Jets fans. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like it's kind of like that, I think. Meanwhile, they spent 140 million dollars on some turd named they gave up Jones. Everything. Well, I'm just thinking. I know we're talking football again, but fucking quarterback yeah. for the Giants. What a piece of crap. Her yeah. name Jones. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I know who he is. I just can't. What the hell is his? What the hell is his name? I can't. Daniel Jones, man. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't think of his first DJ. name. He's a turd, Most, though. Yeah. I mean, he looks like he, yeah, yeah. he looks like he's reading books on the sideline. Versus like <laughs> nothing wrong with reading. Literally books. wouldn't want to. Nothing wrong with reading books. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. And then they don't pay Saquon. But, I mean, you know, it is what it is. So, Newman, let me – let's get into uh, your your career a little bit. Um, yeah. So, you went to Northwestern. You played there for four years. What was that process like in terms of choosing that school? You, you grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. Was that yeah. always, like, your number one, like, target in high school in terms of, like, if I could get into Northwestern and play there, that's where I'm going? Or what was the decision like? Honestly, it was more of just, like, get – like always been pro ball, right? Like pro ball was kind of like the, the dream. Um, and, but for me, it was always more just like get as many D one offers as possible and then kind of like figure it out. Um, and so I had done some visits to Yale, um, Villanova, Northwestern. I had a couple other things like big 10 wise, but I talked all this shit to like my parents, like I want to leave Chicago. I want to get into like somewhere different, like kind of start somewhere else. And, you know, when I was thinking about it more and like did the visits and stuff, like not only was it like a good fit, but it was also like, yo, like it's pretty close. Like I had never really done laundry before in my life and like cooked a meal for myself. So I was like, shit, like <laughs> if I need something, especially money, like there was, there was no Venmo back in the day. Like if I really need something, like right. I can, I can call and make it work. And so honestly, like, so that was a big part of it. And then too, like, uh, Chris, you know, this like the fit with the dudes, like I'm a Midwest dude and like going to like the South and the East and like, whatever, like my, like my vibe just didn't fit there. And it fit pretty, pretty well, you know, with a bunch of Midwesterners, we had a couple of folks from outside the Midwest, but you know, like a very like core values slash, like just dudes that like, didn't come with any baggage or shit that came with it. Like it was pretty easy for me to fit in. So that was a big piece of it. It just kind of like multiple factors just felt like the right place to be, even though I really didn't mess with purple um, or really didn't know much about Northwestern. um, Other than that, it was a good school. Like I didn't know anything about like the baseball program. I'd always grown up watching like Clemson, like Khalil green and watching like, um, yep. you know, I think this is when like Oregon state was kind of like getting, getting in the mix. And I was like, damn, like Houston street, then I realized Texas, they don't right? like all that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, damn, like this is, there's some studs and like you watched all I watched was the college world series. Right. And like, it was the same schools that were there all the time and Northwestern was never there. So it was kind of like my only exposure to college baseball was really Omaha, Nebraska and who are the teams that were there. Mm-hmm. But I'm happy I went to Northwestern. I mean, I think you talk about this idea of like a backup plan, um, which no one at 18, 19 thinks about. But, you know, having that 
um, you know, similar to like the Siena really good school, like you can kind of pivot and do shit afterwards because it's tough to make it to the league. Um, it's tough to even just get drafted. So yeah, pretty happy with it. Um, yeah, so it was good. Yeah, you did have a great group of guys. I didn't know all of them, but spent a lot of time with Jake and Max in particular when I was out there with yes. you guys. So it, it did remind me like hanging out with your group of just like the, the Siena guys we had on our team. It just felt the same. And that's like such a huge part of not just a college experience, but like just being on a successful team. You've got to like each other and you got to have fun. And you guys definitely had that. Yeah. No, I remember I went to to Yale and like my like the questions I was getting from folks was like, yo, what kind of car are you going to bring to campus? And like, you know, <laughs> I have a Porsche and like, blah, blah. And I'm like, dude, I don't even know if I'm going to have a bike. Like, I'm like really like <laughs> trying to figure out like this whole bike thing at this point. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was just like this kind of signals are just like, yo, I can probably go to, you know, something different and whatever. But like, you know, as a young kid, you know, going into probably the biggest decision of your life at this point, like I wanted it to be somewhat comfortable. Hey, that reminds me, Chris, did you do any overnight visits outside of Siena? Yeah. Did you even do an overnight with Siena? No, I actually, nah, I could be wrong. I, I don't think I did. I did overnights at Holy Cross and Brown and maybe one more, but I did the yeah. day camp at Siena the day camp, and had a okay. bunch of meetings um, and then, and then settled on it. I think I talked about this, honestly, it yeah. made the most sense financially. Um, right. And, and also they were, they graduated their whole starting infield and we came in. So it was like, you're going to have a shot at a spot from day right. one. So I was like, that's, yeah. that's it. Yeah. 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 What I, where, where I was going with the question, uh, Aaron, you made me think of like, you know, the people at Yale were like, you know, weird vibe. Like, I don't know what I'm going to be bringing for a car. I'm not bringing Like I had an overnight and I hope I haven't told it before, but just like a quick one with, uh, university of Rhode Island. And I think they gave me like just this kid who like wasn't friends with the rest of the team. And I remember like going to, he, 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 he like took me to his dorm after he met with the coach and stuff. And we ate at the cafeteria with like a bunch of people, but like we didn't really hang out with the team, even though they were like right next to us. I'm like, why aren't we like hanging with the team here? And, um, mm-hmm. we went back to his dorm room and he's like, yeah, the rest of the team's off campus at a sweet beach house. But like, I don't know if we're going to go to that party. And I'm like thinking to myself, what? And we ended up going randomly to some other place. And I ran into some girl that I went to high school with. And like, I just, I didn't even know her name. I recognized her. She was like a year ahead of me. And like, I was at this party with this girl I went to high school with the year before. And I'm like, there's like five people at this party. I'm like, this is the worst overnight. It was just a terrible experience and vibe is where I'm going with it. Aaron, you made me, you made me uh, think of it. It's totally opposite of what I had at Siena. It's funny that you say that. I'm thinking about my brown overnight, and it, it is interesting, like your first impression, how much it matters in a decision like that. So I go to Brown, and I'm paired up with this kid on the team, and I realize right away that he has a non-baseball roommate, and he's a freshman. So I ask him, and he's like, yeah, it's school policy. Athletes live just with someone random. They want you to be integrated into the culture and not just with the team. And at the time, I'm like, okay, that's interesting. Um but then after I left, I'm like, well, I kind of want to be with like a baseball. Like I want someone that's on the same schedule as me lifting at the same time, practice at the same time. But um, his roommate walks in at some point and then leaves. And I'm like, all right, so what's that kid's deal? Like, what's he what's he studying here at Brown? And he's just like, he just studies dinosaurs, man. He just loves dinosaurs. And I was like, well, what kind of major is that? And he's like, dude, you can do whatever you want here. He's like, he just does dinosaurs. And I'm like, all right. 
<laughs> dinos, bro. I'm on dinos. <laughs> oh, what? man. Yeah. I kind of crossed it off at that point. Is that person a serial killer? Like, what is that person doing right now? <laughs> you just zoned out at that point. You're like, just hand me another beer, please. Yeah. yeah. And then, oh, and then the dude just so like was watching Family Guy perfect. all day. And I was like, all right, I got to do something different. <laughs> Oh, God. oh man yeah no that that was you know thinking through that too to your point jake around like i was noticing at some of the other schools like the freshmen just never hung out with any of the upperclassmen and i was like like i don't want to come in and just be isolated from like the core team right and like at northwestern like it was everyone together um and everyone felt like they could talk shit about whoever which was yeah just felt like an easy again easy situation to walk into like especially when you're just like your world's about to change like how do you make it as easy as possible yeah yep. <clears throat> so i mean the moral for all the listeners out there who have kids that are going to hopefully go to college play baseball one day encourage them encur- yeah encourage them to like think about the group and the people and the experience versus like i'm getting serious for a second like you know it's not about the name sometimes. Like, hey, if you're going to go D1 and the only D1 is a terrible fit with your overnight and the D2 you went to, you had a great time, you know, you're probably not going to play at that D1 anyway. Go play at the D2 and have a good time with your buddies. You'll have a lot mm-hmm. more memories, you know, 20 years later, maybe doing a podcast. <laughs> hey. right. And this was this was when, like, there was, like, this whole, like, transfer portal shit, like, was not oh, a yeah, thing, right? Exactly. Like, you couldn't just, like, jump and go somewhere else. It was like, all right. I'm here. Like, this is it. Like, for four years. Um, I don't know how it is now, and it seems like it's just awkward, like the the tra- old transfer portal stuff, just because it's like every year you're like, should I leave? Should I stay? And it just doesn't seem like it'd be fun. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, um, let's keep it on the serious note, because we like, to, we like to get into it, right, on some serious topics, <laughs> overcoming adversity, all that good stuff, the mental aspect of the game. Newman, I want to talk yep. to you about so first season in Torrington. So we we meet met that Oof. year, we met that summer. You started yep. you started as our center fielder like from day one, and I was I was a shortstop. Yeah, you were an amazing mm-hmm. defensive outfielder. Like that's I'm not just sugar mm-hmm. like saying that because you're on the pod. You were awesome defensively, good hitter, really fast, good base runner, smart player, but you you couldn't throw that well, right? Like just calling a spade a spade. Um, yep. didn't have the strongest arm. And it was like a weakness and like teams would definitely try to take an extra bag or whatever. My memories though, from that summer and even year two um, with coach Morehart, who we had on the team was you working with him in every practice and every single pregame man, while guys like some of the guys are dicking around and, and not doing anything like in the downtime after BP, you were just working with him on like long toss, proper throwing motion, trying to get your arm stronger, trying to get more accurate. What was that process like for you? And just like, where, where were you at mentally at that period of time with that in terms of just trying to get that one skill better? Yeah. I mean, I think it was at that point, like when you go to that level, like um, a couple things. So before we even go into like the throwing piece, like I had never hit with the wood bat before, like competitively. Mm-hmm. And I remember like the curve there i think chris actually you sat down and like talked with me about like the difference with hitting with the wood versus hitting with the metal bat and like 
Um, so I not only was just like, okay, this is a different level of, of gameplay. Like we had, you know, Steve Strasberg on our team. We had some like legit players and we're playing against legit players. Like my biggest thing was more of just like, how do I not get embarrassed out here? And like, they flew me out here and brought me out here for a reason. Like, and you know, for better or for worse, you know, thought I was good, good enough to start and play like lead off and, you know, play center field. Like for me, and this just hasn't been with baseball, but just across the board, even with, uh, at Google, it's a lot of kind of that imposter syndrome. Like, I don't know if I should be here. And the only way that I can prove that I should be here is just, I have to outwork people. Like, mm-hmm. and it has to, like, I can't like sink or swim piece. Like, I, I I don't know any other way. Like I'm just not like born talented in every single aspect of, of baseball or, or anything else. Like I can always fall back on just outworking people. And that's kind of like, you know, I, I realize it's, it's not like it's like my height, right. I can change. I can't change mm-hmm. my height, but I can change like throwing motion. I can change, you know, how I think about, you know, dealing with the fact that I don't have the strongest arm. Like how can I compensate for that? And, you know, luckily you had a lot of people that were willing to kind of, you know, play long toss with me and, you know, not make fun of me when I was, you know, throwing the ball 60 feet and not making it to the cutoff man and all that fun stuff. But um, for me, it was also kind of one of those things too. And Chris, I don't know if, or Jake, how you felt about like the summer league, like summer league was kind of there for two reasons. One to get noticed, but two, like, that was my breeding ground to just get significantly better. So that when I got back to Northwestern, I was like, Oh shit, Aaron is like way better than when he left. Like if I came back and people didn't say that, I was like, damn, I failed in the summer piece. So I think to answer your question, you know, I think it was a lot of just like fear of embarrassment, making sure that I represented and didn't like, um, you know, leave anything out there. Uh, But more importantly, just, I don't want to look like an idiot out there. Yeah. I've thought about that whole process a lot in the last like 15 or 20 years for whatever reason. And um, always like have given a lot of kudos to you for putting in that work. But I I also come back to like coach Morehart, Um, like taking the time to do that every single day. Like you guys worked with each other for like 30 minutes before every single game. And especially in summer ball, you're only there for eight weeks. Uh, it's one thing for a college coach to like, that's my job. I'm working with these kids for four years. I'm going to put in that time. I feel like that's a rarity for a summer coach to like actually yeah. key in on on like one thing. Obviously, you wanted to put the work and he wasn't going to waste time with someone who, who didn't want to or thought he was just an idiot for wanting to work with you. Like, so you bought in. But like that guy devoted a lot of time too, and I just thought he was an amazing coach. Uh, and just yeah. gave a lot back to all of us during that summer. I learned so much from him. So, yeah. And he had been around the game so much yeah. and like he knew his shit, but I think also the big piece, Chris, that you, you kind of hit on a little bit, but he was just a good human. Yeah. And like, you know, had no, like, I wasn't going to, anything I did was not going to do anything for him. Yeah. Like, he was just genuinely cared about us and just genuinely cared about getting people better, which is like, you know, sign of a good coach, but also like just a good mm-hmm. human, which is good. You know, I was going to say, Chris, uh, what you said about like the coaches, you know, I remember playing in the NYCBL one year and actually there was this one, I think he was our assistant, Steve Chexfield was his name. And uh, he still played twilight league. Like I played against him years later when I was working, I was like, Oh, Chexfield's playing guy could barely like he had knee troubles, 
could barely walk, but he was always a really good hitter like back, you know, at this point, he's probably like almost 50 playing Twilight League and he's still ripping line drives and he get to first. If he got to first, he'd get a pinch runner every single time. Like they had just like a rule for him. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he was my coach. And like the one thing I remember from a lot of our summer balls was him trying to teach me how to hit with backspin. And I'm like, I just like no one ever talked about hitting with backspin. Like, how do you even do that? And he's like, yeah. you got to drive your back leg. You got to get here. And like we worked on it and, and Aaron, the only thing I disagree with, you know, well, I'll add to the things that we were doing in summer ball. I was there to have a good freaking time too. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure. like, yeah. I mean, that's sure. probably goes without saying, but like, yeah, I want to have some fun. So, you, 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 but he, he yeah. actually taught me, like he was the first person to say, this is actually how you hit with backspin. You can hit the ball. You're losing out with your top spin, you know, gappers are getting caught or they're not going out. Um, and that guy was like a volunteer summer coach, like for the team. Like, I don't even know if he got paid and he was putting in all these time and hours. Yeah, man. These I guys mean, godsend for, for like, you know, youth ball and all the travel ball. And then, you know, even at the collegiate level. There's, there's three guys that taught me the most in terms of just hitting in my life. Jimmy DeShane, who was on season one, Jake, we had him yep. on. I worked with him from like, I don't even know, 12 years old through the end of college, but Newman, both more hearts. I don't know how you feel. Uh, we just talked yeah. about Greg and work yeah. with your throwing, but him and his dad were, were both coaches for one year. And I talked with those guys about hitting just every day for so long. And honestly, just let them talk to me and tried to like take in as much, but just yeah. the amount of info, because Greg made it to like double A AA or triple A and his dad made it, I think to the majors yeah. for a brief stint with the Cubs way back in the day. Um, one thing that stands out to me, uh, Morehart senior. Do you remember when he used to talk to us, Aaron, after every game and he would line up all the hitters and he would go down the list in terms of just how many pitches you saw the game before, not even the results. He would go Aaron yeah. Newman, 12 pitches, you know, Chris Kleps, 10 pitches. And then he'd get to other dudes, four pitches, five pitches. Cause his whole thing was you need yeah. to see, you gotta be patient, obviously hit the first pitch if it's there, but don't be undisciplined and don't just get up there wailing and swinging at bad pitches Try, you know, work the count. Yeah. It's going to help the rest of the team if you get pitchers deep into counts early in the game. So it's almost a selfish thing if you're just swinging at the first pitch every time. And there were some guys on our team that really bought into that and like tried to start seeing more pitches over the course of the game. I was one of them. I, I really tried to be more patient up there. And, you know, we had other guys on the team that would just yep. laugh during that meeting um, because they thought it was stupid and he was 70 years old and what the hell does he know? And I took away from that, like, number one, no one's ever old enough to give you a really good piece of advice. And even if it's not the exact thing you want to hear at that point, or it doesn't completely fit your game. Like even an aggressive hitter, Jake, you were one, right? But you still knew how to be patient. You could still try to implement patience into your approach, even if you like swinging first pitch. But there were some guys, not a lot, but some that just kind of dismissed that type of stuff out of hand. I I think about that a lot too. Just like always trying to find like that tidbit that actually you could implement into your game or your life or whatever. That's going to, that's going to yield some benefit. I I remember still clear (laughs) as clear as day. Like remember when we played um, team USA and, uh, and Garrett had that at bat where literally like a 15 pitch at bat. We're playing like team. USA. like all guys are going to get drafted in like the top four rounds, top five rounds. And he had like a 15 pitch at bat against someone who was going to get drafted in the top two rounds and then just dropped a fucking bomb. Like, like it was just like Homer. the cool, like, the perfect <laughs> hit a dagger. Just like, 
it was a dagger. Yeah, just literally just like the perfect, it was like the perfect at bat. And it was one of those things of just kind of seeing like patience, having an approach, like actually like having an approach. Like he was spoiling things off on purpose to get to his pitch. And like, I had never seen anything like that, like purposefully. And I was always just like, damn, how do I continue? How do I do that? Like, how do I get to that point where it's like every at bat is like an intentional thing? And I think that's, you know, to the more hearts was we're, we're harping on, which I didn't really get that lesson when I was at Northwestern. Um, it was all kind of just like figure out what works best for you. And yeah, that was a really cool, cool learning experience. Dude, what that, was the kid's, he was such a good hitter. What was the Garrett name? Green. Garrett Green. I've tried to find him, Jake. I want to get <laughs> yeah. him on here. And it's like, I can't find any, any record of him playing like pro ball. And I know he did. His brother actually was a first round pick. He was, I think, oh, I forget if he's older than younger than Garrett. He never made the majors. He got close. Um, but I've tried to find him and I just can't find his contact info. We should probably just, go- just Google like, hi, I'm Garrett Green and I hit dangers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I hit dangers. So. No, but Chris, you like kind of compare that, his like approach and like, remember Andres per, uh, Perez? Mm-hmm. Perez. Uh, just, I mean, just talented, right? Just like, could just like, didn't feel like he had an approach. You just get up there and it was just like, I am better than you at hitting the ball. Mm-hmm. Whatever you throw at me, I'll just figure it out and hit it. Um, so it was kind of cool to see like, yes, equally as impressive from a hitter, but like different approaches where one kind of like was, you know, like in his mind, he had like an approach and a thought and the other guy was just like, see ball, hit ball and hit it really far. <laughs> Yeah, but the thing about Andres is, he, he I agree with everything you just said, but he was still, number one, one of the most balanced hitters I've ever <clears> seen hit. Leg kick, but always on balance. And still, like it's not like he was just like Javi Baez swinging at anything, right? He was still up there looking for his pitch. Yeah. But, I mean, he could get a slider, oh, oh, first pitch of the at-bat, and he'd hit it out. And, like, I'm taking that pitch 10 out of 10 times because I'm not <laughs> looking for it. He was that good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Chris, I think you wanted to. I think uh, you wanted to ask Aaron about about rain delays. You I did too. Yeah, I did want to get into some <laughs> rain delay discussion. Um, rain delays, I think, are an awesome part of baseball. We, I mean, I don't love them, but when they happen, there's different ways to kill time in a rain delay, right? Especially in uh, in high school or college or summer ball when you don't have a clubhouse to go into. There's only so much you can do. Um, Aaron loved rain delays. You want to talk a little bit about what your go-to? <laughs> yeah, my, my go-to move was, I used to, it was called upside down, man. So <laughs> I used to basically put my feet, put my, my cleats on my hands and like put, switch my jersey to be on my legs and basically just make it look like I was doing a handstand and just like do tricks up and down like the, um, up and down the dugout. And it was just like, a, became my thing in in torrington um i'll send you guys a pic but yeah it was that was my thing uh i didn't do it in college but yeah somehow are there any videos are there videos Uh, you know i know we're going circa 0508 and i'm trying to think if i have videos of anything but like are there videos uh around of of the aaron upside down man sure there are (laughs) let me see let me see if i can grab one of those you're yeah, gonna have I'll to send, send it to us when uh, when I, 
So yes. Newman, I I did crib that for Sienna one time. Uh, Jake, I don't know if you yep. remember that, but I do I, remember it. I cribbed it after a Torrington summer rain delay. I did the upside down man. It was a huge hit. I couldn't take all the credit for it. People are asking me where I came up with that. I, I gave you the due credit, but when I saw you do that the first time, man, I was like, I couldn't stop laughing for like ten minutes. I couldn't talk, barely could <laughs> breathe. It was incredible. You were pretending like you were like falling over, yeah. and you had like your hands up. <laughs> yeah. <I was> like, <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, that's good. It was became a staple. Became a staple. Is there? A, I don't know if we're gonna get to it, man. You keep bringing up the Torrington moments, Chris. But did uh, I don't know if Jake if he if he told you about how we got tattoos together out in Torrington. Well, Jake, I don't know if he. Uh, he Jake knows that, that Chap and I got tats with a Torrington teammate, but I don't think he knows it was you. I don't. Yeah, I did not. I did not know that. Yeah. So there's there's the third. <laughs> was there just three, right? Or was there more? No, just three. Um, Newman and Chappie both yeah. knew they wanted them, like coming into the summer. So it was our second summer because that's when Chap lived with us. And like I always knew what I was gonna get if I got one, but I never had actual plans to go get one. I'm confident I never would have gone <laughs> on my own, and probably never would have gotten one. And one day we get to the park, and Newman's just like claps tats <laughs> tomorrow. No, left out. <laughs> Add it up. Add it up. Oh, that's, that's good. good. Oh man. And I then what? The rest of the, the rest of the summer, no. dude. You're like comparing like tattoo wink, and you're like, is this gonna hurt the tat? Can I play today? <laughs> Add it up. <laughs> I'm sweating too much. Might mess up my tat. You, know? you got to wear the patch with like Vaseline on it or something to keep it moist <laughs> or something. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I had it on my back, bro. So it was all <laughs> jacked up, but I, I don't think you can actually read anything on of the tattoo on my back right now. But my wife actually just asked if I can get something tatted yeah. over it. Um, but never, never, That's bro. Right. Memory. <laughs> oh man. That's good. That's good. Jesus. Yeah. You right, want to you want to transition to a uh, a coach's corner as well here? What do you think? Yeah, I think this is a good time. Newman, you said you had something for us. So what do you got? Yeah. Yeah, I'll keep names out of it. Um, funny, probably most memorable, like, baseball moment from, from, from Northwestern is, I think we were, I was a, well, I was, I don't want to say if I was my, my year because I don't know, I'm talking about drinking, and I don't know if I was 21 <laughs> yet, but I was, we were all drinking heavily, and we were drinking because, we had thought like we were drinking from like the morning. I think we went to the Cubs game or something too. We like, dreamt for like the morning till whatever, because it said like tomorrow, hundred percent chance rain, yeah. like definitely practice is going to get canceled. There's no indoor space. It's already booked everywhere. And like, we're like, all right, fuck it. Let's just like go hammer time because you know, we don't have practice tomorrow. We're going to be good. It's going to get canceled. And I think at like five o'clock, someone had checked like the forecast and was like, zero percent chance of rain the next day we were like fuck like everyone's like disaster like already and just one like had already made plans to keep it going right and like i think we were going to throw something at the baseball house together or whatever one of the guys on our team had the idea to like probably around like 10 or 11 o'clock at night went to the field and flooded the field with the hose. <laughs> like, like, literally flooded like the full field with the thing. And I, I was like, 
we didn't think he actually did it. And we get to the field the next morning and our coach just fucking sprints up. We're all there and yeah. like it, we're it's bad news. He's like, boys, gotta cancel practice. <laughs> We've been bull fucking Durham. <laughs> <laughs> And we're all just like, what happened? Who did this? And it's like we get back and like I think we kept drinking that next that next morning because it was just like I can't believe we actually figured a way of how to cancel so two, practice. Two questions, Aaron. Uh, this is unbelievable. Like, did you so premeditated in the sense he said, Hey guys, I'm leaving to go do this? Just okay, disappear. So, like so he just disappeared. disappeared. And like Did he yeah, this dude is just like, he's that type of dude who's just like, I'm making it happen. Do whatever it takes. Now, the second question, did he yeah. come back and relay in said information to you all? And like, hey guys, we're good about practice tomorrow. Or he just was like, throw me another beer. He didn't, he didn't say so shit. Amazing. Like literally didn't say shit until like, we had realized what happened because we were like, yo, where is this guy at? Like, what's going on? And then. We get there and literally, like, literally flooded, like, to the point where I don't even know if we could have played, like, three days <laughs> after the fact. Like, it was a disaster. And, um, yeah, I mean, he's still a living legend. We talk about it every time we see each other and talk about the whole Bull Durham stuff. But, yeah, that was that was legendary because, like, usually when you do that type of shit, like, mm-hmm. it doesn't work out. Either you, like, try and flood it and it doesn't flood or you get caught or whatever uh and to this day our coach has zero clue i was gonna say the chances happened. of not getting caught at least at sienna jake like no shot i mean security or something i don't know um takes yeah good for that kid yeah. man <laughs> made it happen unbelievable <laughs> well also also legendary that's a great story can i can i piggyback off that one with a little uh little tales of hennepin yeah. so aaron we haven't done it in a while we talk about a sienna story i'm not going to use names either but also legendary in the sense that um, we had a few players on the team similar in the fact that it was during, so it sounded like it was during the season for you guys because you had practice. Um, this was like a midweek. I don't know if we had a game canceled or whatever, maybe like a Wednesday, Thursday was canceled. We had a series coming up on the weekend and people would go out in the middle of the week. Cause that was our only time for our weekend series. You gotta be ready for that. Um, some guys decided to pull a little WWE, WWF, and uh, some sweet chin music, Shawn Michaels roundhouse kicks um, in the parking yeah. lot <laughs> to rearview mirrors and uh, kept doing it and breaking people's cars. Um, you know, Not me. Well, yeah. Not Jake. <laughs> not me. Not claps. No, 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 no knowledge of it as it was happening. Let's put those disclaimers. Yeah, no no knowledge. I'm telling you as, as yeah. a third, third hand, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, person that, that found out and heard about the story. So anyway, the next day, uh, coach calls the people into the office um, and apparently proceeded to pull up the security footage that security had sent to him and uh, said, yo, your guys, uh, I think these are your guys. And proceeded to watch it with them as they were literally doing wrestling moves, like sweet chin music kicks to <laughs> these rearview mirrors. Oh. Uh, yeah, they got suspended <laughs> for that weekend. They couldn't play. And, uh, yeah. You, you know. Sure. Did they have but, like, any like police issues? I, or No, I don't think so. I, I, 
I don't know if like security was like we're not gonna let them know who actually did. I don't know. I don't. I don't think there was any That's sort of charges. police involved. I think CN security was just like they can't play this weekend type thing. College. That's not college. <laughs> all right. All right. College. College. Take me back. Take yeah. me back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that'd be all over, that'd be all over social media today because the person would probably be filming it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I can't even like. I don't know what like. I think we're all the same age, but literally like, Facebook was just getting started in Northwestern. Like there was no Twitter. Like I can't even imagine like living in this world with with everything that's happening. Of just like you can't get away with shit. Like it's it's everything is documented. Um, you can't. You- but I'm actually really yeah, glad. You can't that get away with case. shit, but we would have a great upside down man video if uh, if that existed back in the day. So it would have been on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. we're gonna find yeah. it. You'd be, a, you'd be an influencer <laughs> by now, man. So you know. Yeah, yeah. you have a side hustle, make making yeah. like four hundred yeah. grand yeah. side hustling upside down man dance. You'd probably be on the Savannah Bananas. Okay. Yeah, that'd be the only <laughs> hustle, bro. I don't know. Four hundred k. Oh, four hundred. I said I said four hundred dollars. Yeah. <laughs> oh no 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 yeah no. We'll drive Uber at that point. Newman, before we let you go, man, um, am I seeing the Jordan closet? Is that what I'm yeah. looking at in the back? Yeah, bro. So you're seeing the sneaker situation. So that's uh. So for 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 Jake, I basically have like over seventy pairs of sneakers. Um, like I'm big into sneakers and like. Uh, yeah, big into Jordan ones are like my favorite, uh, my favorite thing. And, uh, yeah, my wife hates it, but <laughs> Do you have a separate insurance policy yeah, on those. I, I bought all these. I don't, I should actually, well, you should. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's gotta be worth I, something. I, 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 wear, well, I wear my sneakers too. So they're, they're worth something, but I actually still, I wear every single pair, even if they're really expensive. So, yeah, but yeah, that's the Jordan, the Jordan closet, the Yeezys are on on hold for a little bit still waiting for that to blow over a little bit but yeah that is the jordan closet so i'm not into the sneaker game as uh eric and moberg like to tell me off and jake um i'm not either i buy shoes off amazon for like two for 40 (laughs) there's a a running joke in my text a running joke in my text thread with them is just sending random new balance gifts towards me which i don't even own new balance but it'll just be like a new balance gift or uh and uh that guy leggenhausen from uh Crazy Stupid Love with Steve Carell. They call me Chris Leggenhausen just because mm-hmm. of his dad style. I, don't mm-hmm. know. I disagree with it. But um, in any event, where I was going with this, trying to land the plane, if I was into sneakers, I'd definitely be wearing them. So kudos to you, Newman. Put them on the feet. Thank you, boss. Thank you. Thank you. My favorite pair that I have are the uh, the Jordan 1 Travis Scott's for any listeners that are into sneakers. But it sounds like I'm falling on deaf ears right now. But yeah, that's... Uh, Sneakers can you get those on thing. Amazon? <laughs> um, I think you can get like a photo of them or like a picture of Travis Scott performing in them, but okay. I don't think right. you can actually. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, All right. Again, because that's where I get most yeah. of my shoes. I, you know, I buy like yeah, yeah, again. Yeah. I buy the I buy like the bundle of like the all black or all <laughs> white. <laughs> <laughs> the bundle. Amazon Essentials, three pairs for seventy dollars. It's, it's it's actually unnamed. They, oh. they're they're Chinese shoes because they have letters in their names that hey. again I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, uh, and they're literally hey. like two or three for like forty bucks. 
<laughs> Love it. Hey, we all Love have it. our own vices. <laughs> Shoes are not mine. Love it. But good for you, Aaron. Hey, I like man. It. Amazon's your vice. Before, the Amazon's yeah. the vice. I get the crappy ones. <laughs> On that hey, note. Really yeah. We appreciate it, man. It was great catching up with you. Hope all is well. Good luck on the new arrival. Yes. A couple weeks. Any yes. day. Yes, a couple weeks. Thank you, boys, for having me, man. This is, uh, I, can, I can check it off where I don't have to give you shit next time I see you, Klepto. Oh. And Jake, I'd love to, to have beers with you, too, when I'm out there. But, um, yeah, I come out there a bunch because the wifey's from Rhode Island. So um, anytime we, we sneak out there, we try and all over New England, so I'd love to catch up with you boys in real life. Yeah, I'll, I'll see you in Musquamacate. I'll, I'll meet. Yeah. I'll see you in Musquamacate. I mean, that's probably my my best for an island spot we can go to. Well, that's where I saw Newman last summer. He okay. Oh, there we go. Oh. That's where I was. So let's make it happen. Make it happen. All the jellyfish. Perfect. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it was a pleasure, Aaron. Man, <laughs> man, pepper guys. You too, fellas. Follow Thanks it, like yes. it.